you know, sometimes you get introduced to things that you didn't think you would ever really learn about. And I think that's an interesting thing about life, is being introduced to something that really wasn't on your radar. My next guest is Kristen Ruby, and Kristen does something I think is really interesting. She does PR for doctors. Definitely something I haven't thought about, but definitely something that was interesting to me. I think you'll find our conversation filled with lots of really good information about things you just probably didn't know, or it might change your mind about what you think PR would would mean for a doctor. Um, I know I had some ideas of what I thought it would mean, but it seems very different once I had the conversation with Kristen. So I encourage you to open your ears, listen, and enjoy the conversation with Kristen Ruby. Appreciate you coming on to my podcast. And um, we met, I believe, through Spot, I guess, which is a great new community, by the way, of helping people kind of find each other to get on podcasts and talk about things they're passionate about. So welcome. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you know, when we were discussing a little bit beforehand about uh, what you're doing, and and by the way, your bio is very impressive, uh, all the mm-hmm. things that I saw and was really cool. But you're talking about working with doctors in terms of PR. So I'd love to learn just a little bit how you got into that. Sure. So actually, I started out more as a a generalist and then sort of turned into a specialist as I realized that, um, you know, I really have this great knack for doing PR for doctors and branding doctors, right? So I'm very interested Mm -hmm. in working with people who are already thought leaders offline and helping them translate that thought leadership to digital platforms, right? So the people that I work with, whether they have PR or not, they're still brands, you know, in their own right. The difference is, is that PR can help them strengthen and leverage that message to a larger audience online. And so, for example, you know, every doctor, most doctors have the, that I work with a booming practices, right? But their time mm-hmm. is limited where they can only see a set amount of patients. And so most doctors, you know, want to be able to talk to a larger audience beyond just the patient base that they see every day. And that's why PR and media relations is so powerful for doctors, right? Because, you know, the type of PR that I practice, is it's not that people want to be celebrity doctors by any means. It's that they want to leverage these channels and digital marketing platforms to help more people to dispel uh, misinformation that's out there in health stories in the news and to Mm -hmm. just reach a wider audience. And so, you know, I I think the definition that most people have of PR today is not right. It's it's wrong, right? They think celebrity doctors, they think that every doctor who does PR wants to be the next Dr. Oz. And that's just not the case. You know, a lot of people, or they think you have to hire a PR firm to mitigate a crisis. And I I don't think that's right either. You know, you, you should hire a PR firm when things are good. To, uh, so you that you have the plan in place, not only when things are bad. I think it's interesting to dispel. I mean, you're dispelling something that I think is it seems very common about that. Okay, they see doctors on TV. Let's say the show like the doctors and things of that nature, and they go, "Oh, well, these are just celebrity doctors, and they're just trying to become famous, things of that nature." When in fact, there's a, a larger element to that that I don't think people are understanding is. Uh, you know, I work with cardiologists and things, and they're they're just swamped. They have no time, 
and they couldn't even get out there if they wanted to in their mind. So it seems like this is a, another way of helping them with that. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we're working, I'm working with a cardiologist right now and, and you're, you are definitely right about that, right? They're, the demands on doctors and cardiologists today is just like their, their time is incredibly limited. So how do you take that time and how do you create a media relations strategy that works around that time and around their patient's schedule so that way they can still leverage these tools? So what is the, when you're approaching doctors or you're talking with doctors, what is, what are their initial reactions about this if they haven't sought it out themselves? That's a good question. So, you know, I, I don't necessarily approach doctors in a cold way, if that's what you mean. Like, do you mean like if I send well, them? It doesn't have to be cold. Just in general, if you're having, you know, a discussion and it comes up with a doctor and they maybe never thought of it, what's mm -hmm. their initial kind of gut reaction when you talk about this? I mean, I think the initial reaction is that every doctor dreams of doing PR for their practice of, of, of reaching a larger mass of maybe publishing a book. And they know that they need these tools or social media followers or counts in order to get a publisher for the book or get invitations to more speaking engagements or to be on the conference circuit or to publish more in medical trade journals. So in the back of their mind, they know, right, that PR is probably the conduit to do that. But actually making that happen in the next step and then hiring a PR firm doesn't necessarily always take place. Or they've hired a social media specialist or a, di or a direct marketing firm, right? And neither of those people necessarily specialize in what we're talking about. PR for doctors and personal branding for doctors is a very specialized field. Um, you know, you also, uh, there's a lot that goes into it. You need to understand HIPAA. You need to have some basic understanding of the law for doctors when you're assisting them with this. It's not like doing regular PR for just any sort of brand. And any time you're putting a doctor, um, you know, connecting them with the media, you have to think about all of these different things. And you have to think about the quotes that they're giving them. They have to think about it too, which is why uh, media training is so critical for doctors. And it has to be the first step that anyone leverages when they're doing a PR strategy. And so, you know, you mentioned media training. What, what does that involve or what, what are you, what are you explaining to a doctor say, Hey, you, I think you're going to, you're going to need to have some work on media training. What does that specifically mean? So media training is all about learning how to speak to the public at large, right? And so most doctors are used to sort of being that expert with their patients every single day. But when you're talking to the public or you're talking to a reporter, it's entirely different. So how can you take this very complex medical situation that the whole country, right, could be faced with this medical, this epidemic, right? How can you take that and then dispel that information or um, sort of analyze it and give a, a two-line quote or soundbite on that? There's an art to doing that. And believe me, right, like a lot of people typically can have long-winded or very sort of, uh, you know, academic answers for a lot of these yes. things. But if you look at the quotes that make it in the media, those aren't the ones that do. And so it's also uh, training doctors or, or different practitioners of how to give bites or quotes that the media actually is looking for. And sometimes that's challenging, right? It's not necessarily, I always explain, they're doing the medical research. Like the, the reporters are doing that research. They, that's their job, right? To put that down. That's not why they want to talk to an expert. They want to talk to the expert because they want their opinion. So it's not that they want to speak to the doctor to regurgitate whatever research is already out there. They want that doctor's opinion to add color and flavor to that story. So teaching someone that difference, and that's very hard, right? Because the doctor's usually used to being the one that is sort of giving that summary of that research. So it's right. a change in thinking around it as well. So, oh my gosh, I have so much <laughs> circulating in my mind. This always happens when all these, I keep it very organic, but what do you do with a doctor maybe 
doesn't you say, man, I, you know, this person is so intelligent, but maybe they're not the best at being in front of people, but they want to have the PR aspect of it. You know, maybe they're not great on TV or doing media. That's a really great point you bring up. And so not everyone is going to be great at everything. And I talk a lot about this. I've written LinkedIn posts on this, which is that, you know, thought leadership is something you have to curate, but it also has to be something that feels authentic to you. And so it shouldn't be that some strategist you meet at a conference tells you, you have to be on TV. So therefore you try and be on TV Mm -hmm. or you have to do content marketing. So then you try and push out a new blog every day. You have to do what you're best at. Some people are best at writing. Right. So content marketing, ebooks, publishing uh, makes sense for them. Other people really shine in person. They should be thinking about doing events uh, or even podcasts, for example. That could be part of their strategy. Again, if you're a really great writer, digital PR is going to make sense because you're going to be able to give good quotes. But the point is, if you go on TV and you freeze, that shouldn't be part of your PR strategy, right? Like I don't want, I I see so many strategists that sort of push people in directions that are not the right direction for them. You should only do what you feel most comfortable with. And also what, as a doctor, what works around your schedule, your, your very demanding uh, patient schedule, which is the norm right now in healthcare in this country. So, you know, podcasts, I think really make a lot of sense. For doctors because they can schedule them whether it's at night or on the weekends like it doesn't necessarily cut into their practice schedule during the day with patients so you you know you mentioned about you know maybe getting on tv and things of that nature so why do you think uh maybe a strategist would push somebody to get on tv even if they weren't maybe great at that that well, form. because everyone, everyone wants those, everyone wants to be able to say that they are the medical expert who's, you know, been seen on TV or commenting right. on a strategy. But here's, I think PR is more than just, I, I, you know, I have a different approach to PR, which also brings in sort of management consulting and mm. not just the baseline, like it's all about the hit and keep getting more segments and appearances, right? So I look at it from a business perspective of, you know, if I asked you to go on TV, you're going to have two seconds notice. And that means you are going to have to clear out your entire patient schedule for the rest of the day, unless you have a practice where you have like five other doctors that are going to be running it if you close up shop for the day, right? So I'm always looking at what is profitability here, what makes the most sense for that doctor. I don't want to be the reason that they are uh, losing for that day because I asked them to do something. And by the way, uh, it's also important to note, like if you look at just uh, the impeachment hearings over the past few weeks, like if you were someone who had a TV appearance that was scheduled, it was going to be canceled no matter what. Right. Or you could think it's going to happen. You'd get to the studio and you're most likely going to be canceled. And and that's going to come down on the PR person, even though it has nothing to do with the PR person. So I think that's, you know, you have to take everything into consideration with the news cycle as well. So what's the content that doctors are most wanting to get out there? I know you mentioned about dispelling a lot of things. I mean, is it is it that content or what's the kind of variety of content that doctors are most looking to get out there? You know, it's funny, right? So we call uh, doctors uh, call their patients today Doctor Google, right? So you, what you have <laughs> is this change in healthcare where you have what uh, consumers think that there are these very, you know. Uh, health-driven, health-focused uh, consumers where they're getting all this information on online and on Google before they ever visit you at your first appointment. So you have two options. You can either be a doctor that is helping with content marketing, putting out correct information in that conversation, or you can put zero information out and waste more time during the day answering questions that are about content that you did not write. You know, mm. if I, in, in that position, if I could... Uh, 
I don't want to waste my time answering the same questions over, over and over again. That's why I write. That's why I do content marketing. I want to put that information out so that people are more informed consumers when they come to me about what PR is, what media relations is. I think the same is true in the medical field, right? If you know that people are asking you the same questions every single day, why not write about it? And why not say, you know what? I, I'm out of time here, but I, I wrote this amazing blog on it. I suggest you read that for more information. I think that helps people. That's interesting. I, you know, I never thought about that way of a doctor's, you know, they have very little time to meet with patients and say, Hey, we'll refer to this. I wrote this piece and you'll be able to check it out or watch this video clip of me discussing this whole thing. Would, do you find that this is becoming more prevalent PR for doctors or is this like the infancy? I'm not sure. I don't know these things. Where, where are we at at this stage? <laughs> That's such a good question. I do. Th I think it is becoming more prevalent for doctors. I'm not sure that it officially has a title, but here's what I do know. If you look at the the Google quality uh, radar guidelines, they have something called e EAT, which is all about authority, um, expertise, and trustworthiness. And so how do you gain trustworthiness? One of the best ways to do that is through public relations. So these, these three things I just mentioned mm -hmm. are factored into your ranking for your practice site. So what that means, what that tells me is that no matter how much money you throw at Google ads or direct marketing, you can't win in this ranking game without doing PR. So even if you are dead set against it and think it's a total waste of time, I, you know, mm -hmm. I think the game has just totally changed, which is that if you care about ranking, if you care about your domain authority, if you care about being on page one of Google, you have to invest time and resources into creating a full service uh, public relations strategy and campaign for your practice. Now, that didn't exist a year ago. I think people were all doing these things, but mm. I think Google saying that these things really matter. And if you look at the, it's about 160 pages, I believe. But if you look at what Google says, they say, you calling yourself the top doctor doesn't mean anything. Other people mm. have to call you the top doctor. So how, who are those other people that call you a, doc, a top doctor? Well, one group is going to be your patients and you're, you're going to get that through reviews, right? But the other group is going to be third party resources. Who are those third parties? It's the media outlets. So I don't mm. think that any practice can actually afford not to do this. Wow. That's interesting. I just, I just think it's something I, I haven't heard much about, but I think maybe the general public, they see kind of like you're stuck at the celebrity aspect of it, or they see maybe like a, a Deepak Chopra, or they see, uh, gosh, I was watching a show the other day with, uh, um, Sanjay Gupta or something like, you know, and they see these guys traveling the world doing this stuff. I think sometimes I think maybe the public think, well, that's how do they practice medicine? Well, that's how a great they, question. You know, I think a lot of times they don't, right? A lot of times to, to right. really be a full-time media commentator, you can't necessarily be practicing medicine full-time and be available to the media at the drop of a hat. So I think that's very important for people to realize also before they hire a PR firm. If you are watching those people on television, those medical experts, and you want to be that person, understand that it's very hard to practice full-time and be a full-time media contributor. Yeah, I, I think that's you know, I'm putting my bias. That's what I think. And I wonder how does that, how do they produce all this content and, but also continue to have a viable practice or, you know, there's just, it's just very interesting. I think, yeah. you know, with that, how that operates. Well, because I think there's different layers of it, right? So that like, at the, that's the pinnacle of right, like celebrity, uh, mm -hmm. doctor type stuff, but that's not necessarily like the arena that I'm in. So I work mm -hmm. with people who are practicing physicians, like their focus is still on practicing medicine. 
they have no plans of ever giving that up anytime soon, but they also want to stay current. They want to take the thought leadership that they have at all these conferences, right? And and put it online, right? Because if you're just, here's a problem. Most doctors have this amazing content, but the only people who see it are other doctors <laughs> at medical right. conferences. That's true. So, That's true. you know what I mean? So like what my point is, you already have this great stuff. Let's use it. Let's leverage it. Let's break it up into different pieces of content so more people can see it. And, you know, in terms of case studies, what I've seen is that the people who really invest their time in putting these resources online have happier patients. And the number one place those patients are happier is in between appointments and visits because they're continuing to see the stream of content that their physicians are putting out. You know, maybe if they have a medical question, it's not that the doctor can necessarily answer that question in, in real time, but what they can do is go back to other things that that physician has written online mm -hmm. and that makes them feel like they're being heard or at least helped in the moment. Now, would you say that, you know, with doctor schedules being so busy is, is part of the purpose of the PR to, um, have more patients, which would seem crazy almost in some way because they're so busy as it is, or just disseminating information to current patients uh, to increase the level of customer service. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's probably both, but I'm, I'm fascinated by it. So, you know, the another great question, the, the group of doctors I work with are already sort of at maximum capacity with their patients. So they're not right. coming to me for more patients. And I would say, you know, I always say to, if someone calls me and they go, I'm interested in PR and I go, well, why, what are you looking for? If they said, I want more patients, I would say direct marketing makes more sense mm. than PR, right? Because there's a, and I posted on LinkedIn about this today, there's a difference between this long lead sort of sales funnel and a short immediate uh, sales funnel uh, for, for closing that in terms of a, a lead to converting that, right? And that's just sort of more traditional marketing talk, but either way it applies here. Mm -hmm. So I don't think PR is for you. If you were looking for more patients tomorrow, PR is obviously like not the quickest way to get that. If you're looking to build uh, brand awareness and notoriety, and you're looking to sort of take that next step because you've been in practice for like five to 10 years or even longer, PR makes sense. And if you care about things like legacy, which a lot of people do, again, PR makes sense. And I, I talked about this the other day too. It's that if you have this amazing knowledge and you only keep it in your head, that knowledge lives and dies with you or the people you see in your practice. Don't, I mean, you spent a lifetime accumulating knowledge. Don't you want to share that with people beyond the people that can afford to see you? Most people will say yes. And then they say how, and that's really where we get started. Uh, man, that's pretty interesting stuff. I think it's, I, you know, when I do these things, I, I, I tend to think while I speak and ask questions at the same time. And I'm fascinated by what do, what are the biggest misconceptions that doctors have when you're talking to them about PR? What are their opinions about it before you may start working with them? Well, I just think the misconception is, right, what is the ROI of PR and how can we right. measure and evaluate this, right? So again, it, that sort of goes back to, we did all these things and I got all these placements. Now, how many new patients did I get? Now, again, that's sort of a, a misalignment of expectations where you have to mm -hmm. sort of re-educate and explain that that's not necessarily how this works. Um, or I spent all this time answering these questions. What happened to them? Why weren't they published? So also explaining that there's this massive, uh, the ratio is skewed right now in America of journalists to public relations professionals, right? So there's probably six PR people to every one journalist. We hmm. have PR growing and you have journalism and newsrooms shrinking. So what that means is it becomes harder and harder every single day to get press coverage. 
So, you know, it's really also, it's not about just having the best publicist. It's also about you doing your part and giving the reporters what they need on deadline. And often those deadlines are like, I need, I need you to give me this answer within 30, 30 minutes. So that's like, it's, you have to win that game. And that's you, that's also a learning process for someone who's never worked with a PR firm for the first time. And a lot of doctors say, I had no idea how much time this was going to take. This is a massive amount of time on my part. I thought I'd just hire someone. And why do I have to be involved in this? Of course, you right. have they to just be want involved. you to do it. Right, well, yeah. you know, because I'm not a I'm not a neurosurgeon. I don't know what you know. I didn't go to med school. Yeah. Right. I went to school for PR to Boston University's College of Communications, but I'm not the doctor. You are. So in order, right, the people, if I'm connecting you with the media, the media doesn't want to speak to me. They want to speak to you. Let that expertise shine. And I show them how to do that. Right. So the, the, the time commitment, they think, and it's basically a plug and play situation sometimes like, Hey, we hired you do the job. We're good type of thing versus like, no, this is a collaborative situation here. Yes. It's very collaborative. And it also means it's also very demanding, right? So on the one hand, like we had this situation where physicians already have a very demanding patient schedule. Now add on to that working with a PR firm where sometimes that can be even more demanding than what the emergencies that they may be dealing with. And so Part of the reason I publish content as a as a PR uh, practitioner is because I want people to understand this before they hire a firm. I want people to be happy when they hire a firm, and I believe that we have a our uh, due diligence right to or not due diligence is the right word, but we have an obligation or a commitment to be able to to let people know what this looks like before they get involved, before they start working with a firm, so that they're happy and that expectations are in alignment. I always tell people PR is not like ordering a Caesar salad. You can't just say, you know, I want to be in People magazine and you order it. Like it doesn't happen like that. Yeah. But most people don't realize that. They think I saw this other doctor here, so I want to be there. But thought leadership is not transferable. Just because they were quoted doesn't mean you're going to be quoted. And there's so many other things that go into this, right? How often are you publishing? Are you already on uh, the the conference sort of circuit as a, as a big speaker? Like all of these things factor into who they're going to quote when they're ready to quote an expert. And you talked about um, doctors like a podcast is a great uh, basic medium for doctors, uh, because, you know, the different things you mentioned, what, what are doctors, how are they, how do they receive that when you talk to them? Say, Hey, I think a podcast might be a really good option for you. Are they plugged into podcasts regularly? Or are they like, I'm not really plugged into that medium so much at this point. So I, I think that's changing. And I think that with the podcast movement growing, they definitely are becoming more plugged into it. Um, you know, I think the question that I have is, well, so if I do a podcast, like who really hears it? Did one person hear mm-hmm. it? What What's the purpose of doing it? So again, that speaks to this education process of saying, it's a, it's not just about you doing the podcast. It's about how you promote the podcast. You know, how are you leveraging the press that you do? If you do a podcast and then you choose not to share it anywhere or post it on your social media, then yes, you're wasting your time because no one's hearing it other than, the, you know, the, the host who's promoting it. Like it, this has to work together. And I constantly explain to people, it's not just that the media quotes you or a podcast has you on their show and you do nothing with it. This is about teamwork now. You have to work with them to do your part to share this as well. Right. And so, and so your aspect of, let's say that you're referring a doctor, say, Hey, this doctor that I'm working with wants to be, you know, I, I think it's a great guest for your show and take me through the process. I think it's important for people to understand the process. What's that process of like, what happens after the interview with the doctor on a podcast, let's say on that medium, how is that then disseminated out to create the leverage? 
Sure. So, I mean, a lot of times, like that's dependent on what the host does. Like we wait sort of to hear back from them of what they've mm -hmm. created when that podcast is going to go live. But uh, one thing we'll do is typically create a graphic that will go along with that. We definitely want to share the link. Something else that I think is important is to take, you know, the, the file and embed it into different blog posts. So maybe you wrote, uh, for example, like I'll use myself as an example. I wrote a really great uh, blog post on PR, why every doctor needs personal branding. And we should definitely include that for mm -hmm. your listeners here because it's a great resource. So what we're doing right now makes sense to embed this file into that post because it's just another great resource for anyone who's interested in that topic on my site. So that's what I look to do. If, if I have a doctor that's doing a podcast or a webinar, I want to see, well, where else have they already talked about this? Where does this fit in with the other content that they've done so that we can just keep adding value to their patient base? And that's really my mentality around all of it. And if that content doesn't create, if it doesn't exist, then we create it. I, oh, interesting. I see. So obviously the podcast aspect, it is growing more and more. Do you think that more doctors are going to like have their own podcast show and, you know, and committing to that? Or what are you seeing out there right now with that? I do. And I, I think that's in theory, it's a great idea. And I would love every doctor I work with to have their own show. But the, the main thing that I also want to stress is just the time that goes into creating a podcast. So mm -hmm. I think right now where I'm at is that it's a sustainable long-term strategy for doctors to be guests on other podcasts. For sure. I, I think them having their own show, I don't know if they're going to be able to sort of maintain that if they start it, which is what people want to, you know, it would be great if every doctor could have their own podcast. <laughs> but as you know, right, it's a, it's a lot of time. It takes time, to make yeah. And so I also have to think about that when I'm proposing new ideas or, or strategies, I have to think about like, how is this going to impact everything else that's already on their plate? So I... If I tell them, I want you to start your own podcast right now, like realistically, is that going to get happen? Like, I don't know. This approach seems to be the most feasible uh, aspect at this point. And I wonder what, what is kind of the ranking of most important media? I know, it, I know you said like, okay, go to your strengths and things of that nature. But if you had to rank, what is the most powerful aspect of media that a doctor could get on to make the most impact? Is it TV? Is it print? What is, what is that? Would you would say would make the biggest impact? This is a really hard question. I would say it's anything that's long form content where they're talking for an extended period of time. And a lot of times, honestly, it's, it, it could even be uh, doing like HD recording of what they are speaking about at a conference and then uploading mm -hmm. that to YouTube. Because what, what I see a lot of is that I have doctors who are speaking on different panels, but then people online want, are, they say, is this going to be available? We want to see this. Most of the time those conferences are closed where like regular patients or, you know, consumers can't attend them. Right. So now this really changes everything. If you start recording that, but I've also talked to doctors that have said, no, I, you know, I proposed that strategy to them and they've said, no, we're not doing, I don't want to be the first to do that. No one else is sitting there with the video camera. So I'm not going to do it. Obviously, like I'm not working with those people that like just blatantly say no to my ideas, right? Because that's not going to work out. But the point is that some people are afraid to sort of be, you know, the leader in this space. They don't want to seem like the doctor who has this whole video crew when they're speaking. What they don't realize is that person who has a video crew is actually creating content online that really helps other people. It's there. I, I, I tell people PR, ego-driven PR is not a strategy. It is not a sustainable long-term strategy. So if you're hiring a PR firm because you want to be famous or you want to be a celebrity, 
obviously don't call me and maybe someone else can help you with that, but it doesn't make sense, right? The people that I work with, they are leaders already. Media amplifies their message and it gets it out to more people, but they are leaders with or without me. And that is, I believe, the true litmus test of thought leadership and authority mm. in a Google era today. Oh, it was very interesting. Uh, Ego-centered <laughs> deal. Like they just, just say they have you just to say they have you. Oh, we have a team. We have a team. And basically for show, it's like a you know, dog and pony show, essentially say, Hey, well, we have this, but it's really about puff it up their ego and versus the actual content related to it. Yeah. I mean, I see like more of that, I guess, in entertainment PR than even like the area that I'm in. And again, that's not necessarily an area that like that I touch, but you know, something that just sort of just really drives me nuts is when I see people online and they talk about selling authority, Oh, we can, you can, we'll help you get authority. You can't necessarily, you can't help someone get authority. You either have authority or you don't. You can help them publicize the authority that they have. To help some, to make the statement that you can buy authority is basically mm. saying that you are not really a leader in your own right, right? Like you, your brand is not actually real and we're going to somehow create you into something that you're not and then push it out there. Who wants any part of that? I don't. I think that's just a, a fakery that exists on the internet, right? You need to work with people that already have that to begin with. Selling authority. That sounds really, uh, oh man, there's something about that. That sounds very inauthentic. Yes. It feels very sleazy. Buy your way to the top. Basically. I don't think you can. And I think that's like another misconception in the market right now that like, oh, whoever is running the best Google ads, whoever has the best PR from whoever has the best XYZ insert firm here can do that. That's, that's not true, right? You have to be the best offline before you can be the best online. And I think that is what people are just not understanding today. How powerful is that? The best offline before you can be the best online. I don't think people are thinking about it that way, Chris. I think they want to see the projection of what you are online. And then people often shy away from who they actually are offline. They don't necessarily. So I, th- I love the way you put that. I just don't necessarily see that people are always thinking about it that way. They're not at all. Yeah. I, I think no one's thinking about it that way, but just because they're not, I don't think it's right. You know, I think, I think yeah. they have it very backwards and it's an interesting time where you see Instagram testing, removing, uh, like counts and, you know, yeah, you wonder what, what's going to happen to this whole digital ecosystem that again, the currency is going to have to change. And I think that it's the loudest voice in the room isn't always the most powerful voice in the room, right? Sometimes the person that doesn't say anything can really have a lot to say. They're just not saying it. So I I, I look at all of that when I put together a strategy. I think it's a very progressive thought approach because I think we're kind of being socialized into this, how many likes, how many followers, this whole thing. And then when you change, like you say, the currency of it, how does that disrupt the that ecosystem? For it, that, I wonder how that's going to be. Honestly, I really do. It, it, I mean, it massively disrupts it, right? It's going to take us away from some of the vanity metrics. It's going to take us towards more engagement, authentic engagement. I also think you just have people sort of jumping to every single social media platform rather than spending their time on one that makes the most sense, right? Because also these things, it all costs 
money to do it right so it doesn't sure. mean that you like you know what i mean like paying for assistance with five platforms is not the same as paying for help with one platform i'd rather see a doctor spend a lot of time doing one platform really well you also have to look at like your target demo where do they spend the most time so if your target audience is people that are 50 to 70 years old who need help with heart conditions why are you spending your time on snapchat like answer okay. me that one because because you paid someone to read an ebook for ninety nine dollars, I told you to, right? It's just it's so it, what, it's just this moving target of, of insanity that we have, where people are jumping from thing to thing to thing, and that and then by the way, after they jump, like I tried that, that didn't work. Yeah, you tried the wrong thing. It's not that it didn't work. It's that it was never gonna work for you to begin with because you never created a strategy in the first place. What do you think, where are most doctors, I mean, it's kind of a loaded thing, but are you seeing that maybe more like your, your celebrity doctors are on Instagram and more of your doctors who are not in that vein are like, hey, that's not my area. Like I wanna focus on LinkedIn or something. What's, what's the differentiator that you see in that? I do see that a lot more doctors are spending time on Instagram, specifically in the aesthetic space, right? So you see a lot of plastic surgeons. Plastic surgery, yeah. Yeah, that are doing, you know, their case studies or different sort of the ca Instagram carousels of before and after of what that looks like. Um, but it's, you know, I think it's an interesting time even in plastic surgery as well, right? You have, even if you look at aesthetics for uh, bless, breast implant, uh, augmentation you have this if you go to instagram right now you have something called hashtag explant which is this whole explant movement of having these breast implants removed right so i want to see like how like that was not major 10 years ago so you no. look at that on instagram and like that's gotta be how are you combating that as a plastic surgeon on instagram i mean do you just ignore it i don't think so and how can you look at what the fda is saying right now about different things with implants and the stories that they're putting out saying oh sorry actually these implants may have been uh dangerous oops you know like that's first of all i believe that that's like forget social media it's also a pr disaster if that's your business and that's what you are paid to put in someone's body right so that's another case where like, you're going to have a ton of patients. Like, let's say that comes out. You're gonna have a ton of patients who say, you just put this in my body. Now what? How are you going to answer them? Yeah. You have to answer them. That's where PR has to come into play with. How are you going to use PR to talk to people? Not everyone wants to make an appointment to get their question answered. They just don't. <laughs> oh, it's very interesting. It's a world that, uh, is so, I think a lot of life is these unfamiliar worlds that you're getting introduced to, you know? Yes. And so I think that's what's interesting about this is it's, I don't know if there's, there are people who go, yeah, I kind of know about that. And there are people who be like, I didn't know this, this world existed. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. and that's what's fascinating, I think, about storytelling and these things is you're saying, okay, you're opening me, my eyes up to something that is way outside of what I'm used to, you know, seeing with that. But in transitioning, I wanted to know, What's the hardest part about your job? Uh, the hardest <laughs> part about my job. This is just a great interview, by the way. I'm really enjoying oh, thanks, it. Oh, thanks. Uh, the hardest part about my job, I think, is communicating the value of what we do, right? And making people understand. We work so hard. And I don't, sometimes I don't think that translates. I, I don't think people realize, like, even to just get two lines in something. Like we have, like to get two lines for a doctor, like I'm up against, it could be, you know, uh, 60 other people pitching for the same two lines. So what you see as two lines is still like a lot of work to get that. 
right? And there's so many things that go into that. So, you know, I, I also, another hard part, I, you know, I think that doctors are used to sort of being, right, like they are the doctor, they're telling the patient what to do. They're not used to any other role where they're listening to a public relations strategist say, no, this is how it's. So I think that that is a challenging, you know, change of pace for, for people who are used to sort of saying, this is the prescription. The other, you know, I wrote a post on this yesterday. I think what I call sort of like a malpractice and PR, that's what I refer to it as. If you go to a doctor and you say, I want to be on 10 different prescriptions, they'll listen to you and they go, well, why do you want to be on those 10 different prescriptions? Mm -hmm. They'll listen and then they'll say no, right? Because that would be malpractice if they just did whatever their patients told them to do. They don't do that. There's a higher sort of ethical responsibility. Now let's look at the same thing reverse in PR. We have people all the time telling us, I want to be in people. I want to be on CNN. I want to be here. I want to be there. And then what we have is we have a whole group of PR practitioners who go, okay, I'm going to change strategy. I'm going to do everything you just said, even though you're not doing these 10 other things that you need to do in order to even have a shot at being there. Right? So I believe that that's malpractice. If you are not stopping and redirecting that client and saying, no, that's not the right strategy. And here's why. It's basically like saying to someone, I'm going to give you everything you, I'm going to give you those 10 prescriptions you asked for, even though it's yeah. wrong. I'm going to give it to you because you want it. You cannot do that, at, but you cannot practice PR that way. You cannot just say, I'm going to give it to you because you want it. Because you know what? Over time, you can give your clients things that they want, but it's not right for them long-term. You give right. them everything they want and it could damage their brand. So you're not gonna see them die tomorrow, you're gonna see them die a slow death over a long period of time because they're just killing their brand. And so I think that we, ha we should, in this industry, have this sort of higher level uh, of consciousness which, which sort of listens to what someone has to say and then, and, and then we respond and say no. And we explain why the answer is no. It's interesting, so, so I mean, it sounds like obviously you've come to these insights after a lot of time and working. So what would you say has changed the most, most about what you do professionally from when you started in PR to where you are now to get to this point? What have been the things that have really changed you to be to get to this level? Yes, yeah, so I've been doing this for 12 years now. I've worked with a lot of different brands in a lot of different spaces. Obviously, I think social media has been this you know, mm -hmm. big thing that's changed everything in terms of the pace and the speed at which people want to put things out. And I constantly sort of say, wait, let's put the brakes on that just a little bit. Let's think through this before we put this out. Because if you look at the old ways of traditional advertising, right? Like back to sort of like the Ogilvy days or some of these like, you know, major textbooks in the field of PR. Yeah. Um, the, everything was about drafting something, drafting a response, drafting a statement. You edit that statement. You really take time to look at that statement before you put it out. And now, like, that's just not happening. People are not taking the time. They're just saying whatever they think because that's the new way of doing things. And it's just, <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 it's just. What do you think about that, though? Like, people are just spewing things. They're like, spewing literally. things, and I think it makes no sense. I also think that, I think that people really damage their brands over time because they just feel like I have to. Like, for example, people who think that, like, oh, I should blog every day. And yet they're writing blog posts that are 200 words that mm. will never rank and that are just going to all be called thin content on their website and actually hurt them over time. They're better off not blogging and doing one great blog post that's 2,000 words 
once a month than all these random posts are doing every day because a consultant told them to do it and they've now they've shot themselves in the foot. So I think I see a lot of that same thing with social media, right? Like we have people that executives that are publishing every single day or posting every day on LinkedIn and they're getting two likes. What's the point? I'd rather see a great, a great post, a great piece of content. Take the podcast you did, make an audiogram out of it, invest in the right resources and spend time creating the content rather than feeling like you're in this social media rat race and you have to sort of do things every single day. I think that's what people are being fed, though. I mean, I, I know for so many people I know, they they feel this constant pressure to post, to stay relevant on a regular basis. And it sounds like you're saying is, what you're saying is very different from that, is like, hey, don't waste your time with all these constant kind of forced um, information versus something that is really well thought out and has a makes a bigger hit than just constant stuff that's just rubbish constant things you know yes that's what i'm saying and 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 the other thing is who's relevant every single day who has i mean is a celebrity relevant every day i mean maybe they are but most people aren't i don't know i don't (laughs) think they are i mean they're like oh stars they're just like us right and they they show photos of them getting gas but we we're at at the gas station that's not the regular person we have no. a problem where it's like this reality TV sort of driven, you know, society where it's just that everything has to be. And by the way, again, some of this stuff, like doctors who are like doing Instagram stories, who, who are making major mistakes, by the way, just from a legal perspective, maybe they're like putting the selfie on or the camera on, but you don't realize as you have patient records behind you. Right. Are you thinking about this? Like you, or they're spending all this time hiring a firm to do these things for them and do stories, and then they don't even bother to pin them to the highlight reel. And so, right. like, what's the value of that? You're doing something, disappears for 24 hours, no one ever sees it again. You should save it as a highlight. Like, I just think that there's a lot of misinformation out there, and I, I, I hope that by doing things like this podcast or writing or doing some of the things I spend my time doing, I can change some of that a little bit by spreading some truth. I think that you mentioned it before, kind of the long form element is really effective for doctors. And I actually just think it's effective for most human beings because then you actually get to know who somebody is on some level beyond what they could fake to you, what they could just put out and say, hey, I'm going to keep you at arm's distance. Here's a little bit of characters. When you start really diving in deep with people on a really long form thing, they can only be fake for so long. And especially exactly. if, you're, if you're doing an interview and you're very good and you're very adept at asking interesting questions and getting down to the nuts and bolts of what makes their practice work, and then you're going to find out what they're made of at yes. some point. You know? Exactly. And I, I will say, by the way, I think podcasts are a very different form of media where if you are someone who is sort of trying to keep that appearance up, you're going to have trouble doing a podcast. It is much more challenging to speak Agreed. for 45 minutes than it is for three minutes. I think it's, you're just going to find out some really interesting stuff. You're going to get to the heart of who they are as a person, why they do their practice, whatever it may be, whatever profession, and understanding just the deeper meaning. I think we just don't always know what people are thinking, really thinking, because we condense everything into these small sound bites that people often misconstrue or go, well, it's taken out of context. Okay, well, let's hear the long version so I know what the context is. Exactly. I, I couldn't agree more. And so are you, is that a drive for you is to push that long format 
appearance aspect with doctors say, hey, let's focus on this, whether it's writing a longer post or being involved in a, a longer podcast, oh, things like definitely. that. I mean, I, I definitely want them to do things that are long format. I mean, I certainly, if anything is, again, less than 300 words, that's a social media post. It's not a blog. Like, yeah. it just won't even go up there. You know, the other thing we're spending a lot of time doing right now, just in terms of changes in content marketing, is that Google is no longer just a search engine. I call it an answer engine. So there's this whole practice of answer engine optimization. So you, there's this move away from trying to rank for topical keywords to ranking for the answers that questions people have that they're mm -hmm. asking. So you want to go to Google. If you're thinking about your content strategy, what should I write about? Look for in the, the snippets right at the top of the screen, you're going to see the top rankings or position uh, one or zero. Those are questions people have. Start by answering those questions. And if you don't want to write blog posts about it, again, you can sort of post that on your social media with answering those questions as well. But if you look at who's ranking today, people are ranking for answering questions. It's not just saying like heart disease, right? It's the, that, the, that's a topic, but what is the question? The question is, what are the symptoms of heart disease? What is the treatment for heart disease? How do I know after I have a heart attack, like what should I do? Like you have to start thinking about things the way that people search. We have a problem hmm. where people write in a way that's not actually how anyone searches. So I think uh, another thing that I've seen is a lot of people have spent years writing all this content. Most of it doesn't rank for anything because we're not really doing that keyword research first before we write. And so the way I look at it is this. If a doctor spends their time on anything, it, it has to be something that is a good use of their time. Right. You want to make sure you're doing something the right way because their time is so limited to begin with. So I, you know, I, I always sort of stress people if they're uh, or stress to people, if there's an opportunity, thoroughly evaluate the opportunity. For example, someone asked you to be on a podcast as a doctor. If that content is gated, you probably don't want to do that podcast. Right. Like if you're if your whole mission is to spread educational information, you want to make sure that anyone can access that podcast without having to sign up to a list or anything else. Right. Like right. you also want to make sure that the host is not going to ask you any specific specific personal medical questions that you can't really answer. Right. So there's what we have for each of our clients now is uh, sort of a, a scope. What's within their scope? What isn't? And what will they talk about? What won't they talk about? And we're very, very detailed about that. I'm sure you saw that when you and I spoke with all of, like my detailed yes, emails to you too, right? That I, I'm, I'm thinking he probably thinks I'm crazy irregular. here, but highly, I, but you know, it didn't bother me because, uh, one, I highly value very quick communication back and forth with people. So one, I was like, wow, uh, Chris, this is highly regular in my world because somebody actually getting back to you very quickly is like a time long forgotten uh, that I wish was still here. And I just think it was thorough and being thorough and saying, Hey, let's set the parameters, the expectations. I don't mind that. I also like being very unscripted, but I didn't mind that, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a firm believer that if you do that uh, up front ahead of time, it just saves everyone time, right? Rather than people saying yes to things and not thinking it through. And then afterwards feeling like, oh, I don't want you to air that or I don't want you to put this out. Why yeah. would they say that? Because they didn't spend the time to do this stuff up, up front that I'm talking about doing. And yeah. so I, I wish almost more people did that because I, I think it's helpful to everyone involved. Also, just clearly organizing things and giving, you know, hosts what they need, like the way I give you the bios or the headshots or, yeah. or every or the links or every single possible thing that you may or may not need, but at least you have it available to you, right? I think that that's important. Well, I think it's it's just a highly, um, 
I don't want to put this a really organized system of getting things. You have a system, you know, you have, you know how you want to conduct your business. And that's not always the case with people, but it's also with me. It's like, I also tend to end up interviewing a lot of people who have never been on a podcast or they've never had any media. So mm -hmm. it's all extremely brand new. And then, or they, they, or they're used to send me all the questions ahead of time. And I'm like, I don't really do that. I'm like, I want this that, to yeah. be, I want this to be authentic, but you can give me parameters, but also I need the freedom to be able to riff and know. I'm laughing. But see, this is amazing what you're saying, because this really is like, and what you just said is like a, an infomercial as to why someone needs a PR firm, right? Because it's all of these mistakes that people make that they'll get these things. I've heard stories where they irritate someone so much that their booking gets canceled. I'm right. not kidding. With yeah. these rookie questions like what you're talking about, or they yeah. say, I want to see this before this goes out, or I want to change this, or, or any of these things, yeah. you know, it's just, this is why people need PR firms, literally, because it's it's an industry, it's a profession, it's a real job, despite what people think. It's not just like being this glamorous thing like Sex in the City, like doing red carpets, like it's, it, it's, yeah. it's really sitting at your computer like 20 hours a day, sending emails, like I sent you. Like, that's literally what my job is. People don't really understand what PR is. It's a lot of writing. What's the future of PR? Where do you see it going? The future of PR, I see PR and content marketing and sort of the, the practice of inbound PR merging as one. Mm. So I think spoke about this on an inbound PR podcast, which is that I think you're doing your clients a great disservice. If you practice traditional PR and you don't have any sort of understanding about search engine optimization, or content marketing or social media. I think the days of traditional PR are behind us. In many respects, like just traditional PR alone is dead. I don't only practice traditional PR. If I did, I don't think I'd be able to keep anyone for more than a few months. I think the reason that I can keep clients for actually years on end, which is unheard of, by the way, in this industry, agencies are usually hired and fired every uh, six months to a year, mm -hmm. right? They just, this churn and burn. The reason I keep them is because I can move, I can change like a wave, I can change to see this is something they should be doing. And not, and every month, that's not, it's not always going to be that they need to do a podcast or, you know, an interview. Some months it's going to be, we need to focus on content marketing. Others, we need to focus on, you know, an inbound social campaign. The point is, is that the future of PR is a little bit more fragmented. Media has changed, right? So we don't just have a bunch of traditional television networks. They don't have the power that they used to have when everyone is moving towards a streaming ecosystem. So if you're in traditional PR and you're just not looking at that, I wonder where your business is going to go, right? Because people, the way I look at it, right? If you, for example, a lot of times if you're on TV, you're not necessarily getting any link. Or if you do get a mention, it's your mention and it doesn't link back to your site, right? So you have to think about like, how valuable is that for me? Like right. you're, you're, you're almost better doing a podcast where someone's actually going to link to you and people can find <laughs> you rather than something traditional that's going to be amazing for your ego. But then what happens afterwards online if that oh link gets pulled? So, so you true. have to think about that. I think I, I was watching a documentary. And it was it was kind of a little bit about this, but it was kind of essentially like, oh, it was about comedians and essentially about how, you know, back in the day for media, getting on like, you know, Leno, Jay Leno show was like the thing, you know, and versus like now it's like having your own Netflix special or streaming something or having comedians having their own podcast is almost more powerful than being on a TV show. Because people are trying to actually stream things more or listen to podcasts. It has a bigger reach. So 
I'm fascinated where that's going. You know, right now we see podcasting exploding, but like, what's the next medium? What's the next thing? Is how does this evolve continually for that? I'm, I'm always fascinated by any industry with that. You know what's so interesting? I I tell people that you you know you are the media, right? So you're a doctor first, but you're a media company second. And so I know Gary Vaynerchuk has talked a lot about that, but right. it's not just that. Like if you think that you're going to be a doctor and you're going to run a thriving practice and not also be a media company. It, I just look at that as a prehistoric sort of, or just a sort of a dinosaur way to practice medicine. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. You can't just practice medicine and say, oh, I don't need media. I'm not going to be involved in media. My entire practice is based on referrals and that's enough. Mm-hmm. It's not enough if you, if you care about the millennial generation who doesn't even want to pick up a phone and they want to book all their appointments online, it's not enough, right? Like it may have been enough. It may have gotten you to where you are today. Certainly not going to, it's not going to get you where you want to go in the next 10 years, right? So you have to evolve your strategy. If you're just doing the same thing you did when you started your practice, it's not enough, period. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, that's kind of the evolution of time and things change and technology and progression, you know, people who, continue to move forward while may maybe maintaining some of you know solid values and principles related to their business but you you have to change you have to evolve in what you're doing you know? and what's so interesting to me is that I see the actual practitioners evolve in terms of their own knowledge base right they're still going to all the conferences they're doing all these things they yeah. they get it but you need to take that knowledge it's not just that your knowledge needs to evolve it's that the technology paired with your knowledge needs to evolve. The media paired with your knowledge needs to evolve, right? So that way people understand that you're on the cutting edge and that your practice has changed or that you've gotten new technology or that you're doing a new procedure, right? So like, let's say you do all these things. If you have a new procedure and like you're sending out mailers, like that's not the most effective way for someone to know about that. PR is, social media is. So you have to look at it as this Media today, you have to have, it's called the peso strategy. You have to have this well-rounded paid media, earned media, search, social, organically. You have to sort of have all of these different areas. You can't just, I also say, PR is not going to be the be-all, end-all. It's one component. You need paid. You need PR. You need all these things because not everyone has the same media consumption preferences. And most likely, not all of your patients are going to be the same demographic and target yeah. audience. So you need to figure, you need to segment that and figure out how you can reach them. And that's where creating a media strategy starts. What do you like most about your job? What I like most about my job is honestly feeling like I I can make a difference because the information that I'm helping people get out there is hopefully helping other people. So I feel good about that, right? Whereas before I think when I started out in my career, it's a little different, right? If you're helping like a, an auto dealership sell more cars, like you, you don't, the feeling is different. I don't right. feel the same way. But if I'm helping people get more information out that could ch- change people's lives, I feel good about that. And I feel good that I'm helping people use uh, the technology, right? The sort of the onus is on me to figure out all of the technology changes mm-hmm. and the onus is on them to keep up to date with how they're practicing. And so I feel like I'm, I genuinely feel like I'm helping people through PR and that feels good to me. And I, I hope that people see that PR can be a way to help more people rather than obviously what we talked about in the beginning of the show, which I don't think is all PR. Well, I have to tell you, it's been very enlightening to me. And I think it will be for a lot of people. Um, And people really enjoy the diversity of guests I have on. And this just adds to it. Um, So I was very excited when you contacted me and 
And um, I'm looking forward to see how it plays out. You know, I think there's just so much information out there now. But in the end, I think the end, you said, all right, I mean, you're doing something that you feel is really helping people. And that's what it's about, I feel like, really helping people in an authentic way and doing something that you love to do. And Chris, it sounds like you're doing that. So I really um, I'm appreciative and thankful for your time on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. This has been great. And I really enjoyed our conversation. This was awesome. Oh, that's a great feeling. <laughs> awesome. Well, we will be in touch for sure, Chris, and have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. All right. You got it. Bye.